And the reading today is from Deuteronomy 8 to 17. It's page 178 on your Bibles and then followed by Luke. Okay. For the Lord God, your God, is bringing to you to a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build those fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have has, is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for he, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And now we go to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Starting at verse 16. And he told them the parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself... What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, sit down, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Do not worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. 
and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Okay, that's the end of the lesson. Thank you, Christine. So excited to hear <coughs> Kath speak this morning. I'm sure you are as well. <coughs> and um, shall we just pray for her before, before she speaks to us? Loving Father, we just thank you for your word. And we pray for Kath just now that you would give her the words to say that will speak directly into our hearts. And Lord, we pray that those hearts will be open and receptive to that message you have for us, both as individuals and as a church. Lord, we pray that you will bless Kath in particular just now. We give thanks for her willingness to serve you and her love for you. And we pray that through her, she, that we will all be able to engage with you a little more. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Am I, am I on? I'm on. Do you worry? I do. A lot of people worry a lot. Numbers of people with anxiety are ever growing, yet Jesus tells us not to worry, that God will provide. Of course, worry is not the same as grief or loss, anguish or brokenness. Lament is found throughout the Bible, beautifully expressing the heartache and cries of many of God's people. We are very skilled in this country of being fine, but we do a disservice to ourselves and to God to always keep up this pretense of being fine. God knows us and knows how we feel. Jesus would not have spoken about worry unless it, he was well aware that this was something we do. Last week we said goodbye to our minister after nearly four years. <coughs> it is right that we, we reflect and lament the loss of somebody who has been a valuable and central part of our church. And it's right that we take time to do that. And now we start a new unknown, a period of vacancy with an unknown outcome. Should we worry about what the future holds? Will God provide for us? You don't have to look far in the Bible to find accounts of God providing for his people and his world. We see examples in both of today's readings. In Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to the Israelites who were full of worry about the unknown of the promised land. 
Moses recounts how God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, how he led them through a dangerous and dreadful wilderness that he provided them with food and water. In Luke, Jesus is reminding the disciples to look at the birds and flowers and to see how God has provided for them. And I am certain that there are many here with testimonies of God's great provision in their lives. About six years ago, we had to apply for our eldest daughter's place at a primary school in Camborne. After much looking around and debate, we put in our choices, ordering the three Camborne primary schools. I prayed that God's will would be done, but it would be great if she could be with her closest, closest friend, please. A few months later, the offer came and it was for Hardwick School, which we had never seen and was not even on our list. They were due to take over the temporary buildings and the blue school next door. Her closest friend had a place at the Vine and she would know nobody. God was wrong. Our daughter had some extra challenges when she started school, but she was in a class of only 16 children. The school had time to help and were brilliant. They supported us with those challenges, both at school and at home. She made friends, and a few years later, the school relocated into a beautiful new building, just five minutes' walk from our house. I was wrong. <laughs> God was right, and God had provided. As a church, it was only a few years ago we were standing on this ground while it was covered in snow. We have a history of God providing in this place. <coughs> so for those amongst us who worry, allow time to lament if you need to. But let us not forget that God has provided before. Take time to remind yourself regularly of God's provision, whether it's through looking for biblical examples like we've seen in the readings or recording personal experience through keeping a journal or recounting testimonies, let us remember that God has provided. Today we celebrate harvest, giving thanks for food and people who give us our food, remembering that God is providing for us all the time. But there are times when we don't see what is right in front of us. We don't look for God's provision. I recently led a service in which the slides went wrong, nobody arrived to do the prayers or the reading, and it felt like a bit of a mess from where I was standing. However, there were comments after the service of how organized and spirit-led it seemed. Mm -hmm. What a contrast in perception. It really spoke to me of how much of a difference it makes depending on the expectation and the heart we bring, the different lenses we look through. When we do the shine course, one of the things we talk about is comparison. Comparing what we have or own or look like with others. When I dish up a nice dessert in our house, the first thing that happens is everybody looks at everybody else's dish. <laughs> She's got more than me, and misery ensues. And the same thing happens in reverse with vegetables. <laughs> <coughs> 
When we compare, one of two things happen. Either we feel inferior, that they or what they have is better than us or what we have. We become envious and discontent. Or otherwise, we feel superior that my house or my car or my legs are better than yours. And we diminish and we devalue the other. We become proud and self-sufficient. How do we overcome this? It says in Deuteronomy, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And there are no shortages of recommendations to give thanks in the Bible. I have talked in various ways and places about gratitude, so forgive me if you've heard this before. There are many studies on gratitude which show that practicing a thankful attitude improves stress and sleep and reduces depression. It refocuses the mind away from the difficulties towards appreciating the provision that is in our lives. It is far from just saying thanks for good days, but being able to find a cause for thanksgiving, thanksgiving even in the darkest moments of our lives. I had the great privilege recently of supporting a member of our church through a difficult illness. He died peacefully earlier this year. Firmly etched forever in my mind is a harrowing day when everything changed. From hope and expectation of a positive outcome, suddenly the outlook was catastrophic. Of course there was lament, but I remain in awe of how quickly in only hours this became Thanksgiving. I arrived home that evening to a text message thanking God for me. The perspective that he held continued to the end, and they are lenses that I strive to look through. Even in the face of death, when we practice all the time. God provides in many ways things that we have, wealth, gifts and time, And in Luke, we get some suggestion on how we should manage or should not manage God's provision in these things. In the parable Jesus told, the rich man had everything he needed, yet was called a fool by God. But then Jesus goes on to say, don't worry, God will provide you with everything you need. Is this not a contradiction? What made the rich man a fool? It was not what he had, it was how he held it. God's provision is a gift, and it is our attitude, our stewardship, which is the key difference. The rich man was self-sufficient, it was all about him. He was greedy, he isolated himself socially, and he held tightly onto his own possessions with a concern only for the physical and not for the spiritual. Moses warns about the risk of forgetting God when we have plenty and deluding ourselves that it was our strength and our power that got us there. 
If we do that, we lose sight of what we have as a gift from God to hold lightly and to offer back to him. But God's provision is far more than about possessions or time or talents. It's about people. As a church, one of the most precious things we have is each other. You are a part of God's provision for Camborne Church. We are a gift for each other. And it is largely through our hands, our feet, our care, that God is revealed within our church and within our community. So just as we recognise the provision of God in things and talents and time, so let us make a conscious decision to cherish one another, to value one another, to build up one another, to love one another. For this is not optional. So for those amongst us who worry, recognise that you are a gift to Camborne Church. Connect with others within the boundaries of our personalities and honour and care for each other. And try exercising gratitude for God's daily provision. Write it down, three things a day, however small. Let us remember that God is providing. Many times I've heard Ian Jarvis say, God provides the right person for the right time for Camborne Church. I think he's right. So as we approach this new period in the journey of Camborne Church, we need to pray that God will provide. And those prayers should not be about what we want <coughs> or think is right. So not just for those amongst us who worry, but for all of us. Let us seek first God's kingdom, and God will provide. Let us always keep God central in times of plenty and in times of need. And let us bear in mind, of course, that God knows what we need, and it may well not be the same as what we think we need. And we can trust God because even in a world of uncertainty and worry, he does not change. He is a God of provision. In Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will guide your path. Lord, your will, not mine. Your agenda, not mine. And the really exciting thing is this. God doesn't just do provision. God does abundance. The land that Moses describes is full of richness and amazing things. It wasn't just enough. The flowers Jesus describes have splendor beyond anything we can replicate. Glorious sunsets are not necessary. So finally, let us choose 
to continue, continually recognise how much God has already provided, how much he is providing right now. Let us seek his will, value and cherish what he has given to us in all our ways and offering all we have. Let us submit to him and he will guide our path. And let us expect that God, in his perfect timing, will provide abundantly for us and for our church.